good morning chest. We will start, of course, with eight minutes of live silence. Andreas will ring the chimes to begin with, and Lou will ring the chimes to end the silence.
high chest. This show is for you, chest. We hope it doesn't make you blush too much. We would like to make a portrait of you. Thick and solid dark wood, stained and varnished with some scratches on the top and not so many on the sides. Two hinges on the top side, one third of the way down the width. The hinges are long and metal and were once completely black, we assume. The top and bottom piece extend out longer than the sides. There are three small steps running the perimeter of both inner rims. The outer rim that touches the floor has thin arches running its long lengths. From its furthest points in simulated entirety, 67 centimeters wide, 110 centimeters long and 40 centimeters high. Inside, lifted open, the cavity holds 135 liters, 72 times the volume of my lungs. And uh, now, chest. Mm, we would like to play you some lullabies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the first one is a lullaby called Suogan, mm. right? Yeah. And it's a lullaby for the mountains. It's an old Welsh lullaby. It's a parent's song of protection and responsibility. And we will hear it now.
Okay, that was the first lullaby. A little shout out to Frederik Heidemann for playing that flute. flute. <laughs> And uh, then the next lullaby is one that is being sung by my grandmother, whose name is Patricia. And uh, this one. Alive, alive, oh, alive, alive, oh, my cockles and mussels, alive, alive, oh. We greet our wheelbarrow through streets dark and narrow, and that was the end of sleep and her ghost rules our barrow through streets broad and narrow, my cockles and mussels. Alive, alive. I don't think that's how it actually goes. Yeah, I can't remember. I What else? She oh. died of a fever and no one could save her. Oh yeah, that was the end of Sweet Molly Malone. But her ghost leads her barrow through streets broad and narrow. Wine cockles and mussels, alive, alive, oh. Thank you, Granny. <laughs> okay, then there's another lullaby. And this one is called Alum. And it is written for melting aluminium.
Okay. Next up is a lullaby called CCL4LSA Feed Yona and Starlight. And this was written first for a friend and then for another friend. Well, the second friend was a flag. And the flag was called Slug Meat 11.
Okay. Then we have one more lullaby. And this lullaby is for you, chest. Okay, now we heard a lot of lullabies, so I guess, chest, we are firmly in the night. And so we will read you this from Kan Shui. 
The sky was already dark when they got back to the antique shop. Mr. Yu opened the door with a key. It was dark inside too. The electricity was out and everyday occurrence at the shop. They are already here. Go and hide, Mr. Yu said. He pushed A Liang away and disappeared among the display cabinets. A Liang's whole body turned cold. A firefly lit and then went dark inside of her. She groped her way to the wall, feeling along it to the stairwell. There was someone squatting on the stairs. It was the antique shop owner. After I got off work, I came over to look around. There are three electricians repairing the circuits. Owner Su, have I brought more chaos into the store? Heliang asked in a quiet voice. No, it's nothing. Besides, I'm not afraid of chaos. The three of them, I mean the electricians, are upset. The repairs are getting more difficult. It's the kind of damage that doesn't leave any traces behind. The shop is tottering, about to collapse. Mr. Yu always takes charge. Are you going upstairs? Go to the room and stay there. Mr. Yu cannot fail. You should believe in him. A Liang felt her way to the door but couldn't open it. She sat down in the hallway. She sensed, as usual, an eerie stillness. Even though Mr. Yu would share his woes with her after every incident, saying he was tired and out of breath, or close to a collapse from which he might never wake, A Liang did not hear anything. She had asked Mr. Yu about this, and he had said, That is because you were at the center of the turmoil. All of a sudden she filled wet plants on the wall, a large quantity of them, probably flowers. Oh, the entire surface of the wall was spread with roses. Hold on, hold on, she said. I'm here, near you. His voice was faint. A Liang pressed her face into the roses, the thorns pricking her cheeks. She thought, how good, I also have flowers that bloom for me. I'm not afraid of dying. The sensation of death must be good. She thought again of the three anxious electricians Imagining them as figures clambering around the hall of the antique shop like monkeys. Some person or wild animal swatted her from above. 
Rose petals fell onto her face. She stood feeling happy. Who are you? She murmured. I'm your cousin. To her surprise, it was a woman. I came to the city a long time ago and I've been selling flowers this whole time. So it's Xiaomi. Where's your flower shop? It's a secret. Don't you have secrets too? The air is so fresh here. A Liang heard Xiao Mei's voice above her little by little moving further away. The door to the room was by her right hand. She gently pushed it open. She knew Mr. Yu was sitting on the bed. Roses, she said. Yes, roses and evil spirits. I'll resist until the last moment. I'm going down below. Goodbye. The door gently shut. The room was not as dark because of the moonlight. A Liang recalled someone telling her that some of the flower shops in the city were actually moneylenders. Maybe A Mai was in the moneylending business. That would be very dangerous. A bulb suddenly turned on, stabbing her eyes. A Liang felt an, an inarticulate fear. The door was locked tight, and the windows also shut. What was there for her to be afraid of? Still she hid inside the closet. When the sky was light, Mr. Yu returned, holding a shattered bronze incense burner, incense burner in his hand. He threw the incense burner onto the floor, lay face up on the bed, and went to sleep. A Liang had seen the incense burner clearly, but when she bent over to pick it up, it had vanished. There was nothing on the floor. She started to laugh quietly, finding this amusing. She opened the door, stuck her head out and saw that the hallway looked the same as usual. She yearned for those roses. Inside one of the rooms, Mr. Yu went in a dream to Sea Line Drive. A blood red sun was sinking as a crowd of people raced along. Mr. Yu also began to run, shouting a stranger's name in his, his mouth. He thought once again that he had reached a critical juncture of life and death. Ahead was the sea. Should he dash into the water? He was not allowed much time to think. Now the crowd was carrying him. Both of his feet left the ground. Growing excited, he could not keep from crying the name aloud. Wu-da-wai, Wu-da-wai. He saw the seawater surge toward him. That swaying duck egg yolk must be the sun. For many years, 
young Mr. Yu felt that he was developing a strong wild nature. No one knew this tendency in him. People saw him as a cultured, careful, excessively particular and slightly effeminate appraiser of antiques. His palms would often break out in heat, his fingertips trembled and he had difficulty focusing. In these respects, his constitution did not suit his profession. His secret was in his teeth. He had a mouthful of sharp wolf fangs that Kui Lang had observed unawares, much to her shock. This mouthful of teeth showed his passion. In the past, he and Long Xiang, the worker from the cotton mill, had a well-matched physical relationship, but they eventually tired of each other. Where are their feasts that never end? From then on, Mr. Yu confirmed to himself that he was not fit to start a family. Naturally, he still pursued women. Then, beyond women, the whole of his remaining energy went to his specialized profession. In Mr. Yu's mind, his work took the form of several endless tunnels. He even thought that he was born to his work, to venture into the darkness of history, to merge into and remold these histories. For him, the fascination of this work was also no less than the attraction of women. As a result, he repeatedly suppressed his decadent side, laying the foundation of a universe in this dark world without sun or sky. His daytime work was merely surface. Only his nighttime wandering was substantial. The owner of the antique shop knew what was happening and was pleased with Mr. Yu's work. Only a few people in the city knew the secret. The antiques were all living things, mysterious and supernatural that relied on the weaving together of a conspiracy to survive. Strangely, the young woman from the countryside, A Liang, seemed to understand this point innately. Ever since Mr. Yu's attachment to the antiques, his personal life divided into two parts. He was good at harmonizing his contradictions so he never went down dead ends. On the contrary, there was always a way out. Dark willows, bright flowers, a village appears, as the poem goes. Reaching the age of 50, he had convinced himself that he was more or less a failure when it came to women. Luckily, he had made uninterrupted progress in his profession. 
A customer told him a legend about a suit of armor inside the ancient city walls. The man had bolted into the shop during a rainstorm. When he came in, he left the shiny green raincoat draped over his shoulders and dripped water carelessly everywhere. He stood in front of the display cabinets and forced Mr. Yu to hear him out. His voice was low and hoarse. The pale lamplight blurred the contours of his face, creating a disturbing effect. Mr. Yu thought to himself, where did he come from? My father was in the same line of business as you, the man said abruptly. What? He was a grave robber. He worked until he was 73 before retiring. A workaholic. He died recently. His final words to me were the story about the ancient city walls. Mr. Yu saw the owner, who was in the shop, swaying back and forth, his face clouded with with suspicion. He was secretly anxious for this person to leave. Did you want something for your collection? He asked, leaning closer to the unwelcome guest. Your shop could not have the object I want. I want a golden suit of armor. He looked at Mr. Yu calmly, even arrogantly, until the appraiser lowered his head. I will work with you. Where can we meet? Mr. Yu said. At the mouth of the Little Moon River, the third willow tree at 1am. He turned around and left in a hurry. There was a puddle of water where he had stood. Did you make an arrangement with him? The agitated shop owner asked Mr. Yu. Yes, I agreed. You must honor your promise. I'm worried about you. There won't be any problems. At worst, someone dies. Regarding the events of that night, Mr. Yu could recall only only the flock of pheasants. What's that? Oh, sorry. It's it's a bird. I okay. With the bright fle- feathers. I think they're kind of brown. Okay. But I am. Do you pronounce oh, no. it pheasant? No, it could be the bright feathers, actually. The blue and green stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was thinking of quails. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bird, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> a flock of pheasants, right? Yeah. Okay. Regarding the events of that night, Mr. Yu could recall only the flock of pheasants wildly beating their wings. There was essentially no ancient city wall. Mr. Yu followed the man into a culvert, then came out of the culvert and sat beneath a large bridge to rest. When the great oppressive dark flock flew past them, 
Mr. Yu even thought the birds were eagles. The man just said, oh shit, then disappeared. The assault of the pheasants was not itself frightening, but it left his whole body filthy. Their only way of attacking him was the was with the droppings that were like obscenities raining down. Before long, he turned into shitman. Even his eyes were past pasted shut. Help, he shouted once, then, realizing how ridiculous it was, stopped shouting. He felt in his pocket for a handkerchief, covered his face and climbed onto the bridge, finally breaking away from those evil spirits. On the bridge, the wind blew hard, cementing the bird droppings on his face, neck and hands into a shell. He felt he was catching a cold. All of a sudden, his epiphany This was the golden suit of armor. A solution, in a certain sense, had been reached. After showering, he sat in the owner's office. The owner wanted him to try as hard as he could to recall the events of the night. He said any point of detail was valuable, was historical truth. There's nothing else, Mr. Yu said, dejected. The pheasant played the leading role. I couldn't tell how many birds there actually were. Their droppings were acidic. Is that man a relative of yours? Ridiculous, the manager was upset. He crept out from the underground. This rubber baron. There's a scar on the left side of his neck. Did you really think he was related to me? I'm sorry. I don't think he's a rubber, though. He's polite. Although, last night I didn't see his face once. When we were in the culvert, I thought I would pass out. It was a smokescreen. First, remove your precautions then launch the sudden attack. Actually, it wasn't an attack. I was just too nervous. Oh, those born to this world should broaden the path of their thoughts a little. Don't you agree? At last, you have some understanding. Keeping your promise is very important. Mr. Yu, Could we say that I belong to your father's generation? Over so many years you haven't disappointed me. This incident should not either. Mr. Yu stared at his boss, who now looked a little awkward. He didn't understand what the man was saying and only wanted to fall asleep. The whole time a stubborn question hovered at the border of his mind. Was the shop owner a human or an ape? After all, 
Despite the random hua-hua sound beneath the owner's filing cabinet, despite the owner rapping on the desk sternly, saliva splashing in all directions, Mr. Yu's head drooped and he fell asleep. This was the first time in all his years at the shop this had happened. Afterward he apologized to the owner, who didn't think what had happened was unusual. He said that he sympathized with Mr. Yu. He knew the roaming during the night used up a person's vitality. Previously, several members of the shop's staff had lost their lives this way. Mr. Hughes being able to return alive already made him proud. It was because of Mr. Hughes that he truly felt the heroism of being the ruler of one's home. What do you mean, the ruler of one's home? Mr. Yu asked. You have become the staunch defender of this city, didn't you know? I didn't know, really, and I don't care about that. Whether you care about it or not, you are its defender. Could those street lights, those chimneys, for example, do without someone to guard them? You guard them unawares. The owner waved him away, clearly not believing Mr. Yu's ignorance of certain matters. Mr. Yu's ignorance wasn't faked. Based on the experience, he judged all of this to have something to do with his specialization. But he couldn't figure out what relation these strange nighttime events actually had to his profession. Sometimes he thought that if he had a clear sense of these events, they might become boring. The ancient city walls, a golden suit of armor, the spring and autumn period, such alluring phrases. Now the shop owner had a new name for him, Staunch Defender. It sounded awkward, but lofty. Which type of defender could he be? When he was confused, he would even get wrong which street he lived on, especially when he'd been drinking. The owner's words must have some basis. His not taking no- notice of the street lights didn't mean the street lights excluded him. Hadn't he collided with the lamppost a number of times? Hadn't his eyes been bewildered by the thick smoke seeping from the chimneys? The time his eyes his eyes had been mesmerized and he was temporarily blind, someone had, had guided him by the hand onto the train heading north, so he took an un- unexpected trip in that direction. He had felt since early on that the owner had great wisdom, even though it was a kind of wisdom that terrified him. At first, Mr. Yu had not wanted to be a great... 
At first, Mr. Yu had not wanted to be a night roamer. He was still interested in social contact and felt a sense of safety in the in the human crowd. Later on, without his noticing, he had changed. It seemed to be the fate of an of an antiques appraiser. The night was the homeland he held dear. But there were also many enemies in the dark. He was already used to resisting. Straight through the straight through to the point of mental and physical exhaustion. People in the city were familiar with the handsome side of Mr. Yu's dark figure. If he walked down the street at daybreak, everyone who worked a morning shift saw him. They would pause to watch his receding back, saying, It's him. After these two words, some object loosened in their minds. Mr. Yu was also
Okay. Chest. This was it for today. And we would like to come and have tea with you. And we hope it's okay with you. We would also like to invite anybody else who is listening to come and have tea with us at 1.30 p.m., which is in one hour from now. And the tea will be black. Yes. Do we have oat milk? Yeah. <laughs> With optional milk. And it will be at Hermel Scale number 24. You can ring the buzzer that says Zag du Gaff. Or you can call us on plus 45 are you writing this down <laughs> plus 45 28 74 16 09 and we will be sitting there with the chest for an hour for an hour so from one thirty to two thirty, and to um, leave you in the day, we have two more songs, and then we will play Andreas playing the chimes, and then you will know. This is the end. <laughs> yep. You ready?
fundet, det er fandt Mig, der er i rummet som en elefant Vi kan tage til munden i min luftskib Ikke bange mere, jeg vil tage det næste skridt Lukke mine øjne, lad mig falde i Alt det omkring mig, når du nærved Kun du kan få mig hernede Før eller senere Duften er en kvinde i min land nu Der duften er en kvinde i min land nu 